I want to talk to you tonight about something that you already understand. Isn't it interesting that we all want to make sense out of our lives? With all the things that have happened in 2020, and so many of them happening at the same time, we want to be able to connect the dots towards some grand purpose. We want things to fit in our lives in a way that makes sense. We met because we were supposed to meet. We got engaged. We got a job. We had a baby. We moved to the city. It's part of human nature to want things to make sense. Uh, we use phrases that reinforce this idea that everything has a purpose. Everything happens for a reason. Have you ever said that? You ever heard somebody say that? I wonder, are you sure? Everything? Even though we can think of things that don't make sense, we want everything to fit into a grand purpose, right? I don't believe in coincidences. You ever said that? Or heard somebody say that? I mean, what does that mean? There's a God, a cosmic force, I don't know. So there aren't any coincidences? Everything fits together? When something doesn't work out, we hear somebody say, I guess it just wasn't meant to be. She wasn't the right person. He wasn't the right guy. It wasn't the right job. It wasn't the right sport. How do we know that? Because there's something in me, there's something in you that wants everything to make sense. It'll all work out. You ever heard that? How do we know this? Based on what? It's part of our human nature that we want all things to have a purpose somehow. We don't want things to just be random. Then we have a hiccup in our lives, a tragedy. We ask, why? What do you mean, why? I mean, why did this happen? Divorce. Nobody plans for a divorce. You lose your job. It couldn't happen to you. You were central in the company. They promised you. And then COVID hit, and you were out of a job. Sickness. You made big plans. And now you're counting the days. You didn't plan for this. An empty chair at your table. That makes everything about Christmas hard. Isn't it fascinating? Regardless of what you believe, if you're an atheist, a Muslim, Jewish, or Christian, when you face something difficult, you find yourself hoping there's some sort of purpose in your experience. We say, maybe you'll meet somebody else. Maybe you'll get better. You'll find another job. Or the conflict you're going through with someone will blow over. We want to help people through tough times because it's in you and it's in me to find purpose in all the stuff that happens to us. Right? 
the atheist biologist Richard Dawkins wrote, the universe offers no design, no purpose, no hope, just pitiless indifference. There is no sign of God. In 1961, a man named Yuri Gagarin, a Russian, was the first human being to travel into outer space. As he was leaving the Earth's atmosphere out into the new frontier, he looked around and he said, God is not here. In response to Gagarin, C.S. Lewis wrote an article called The Seeing Eye. In the article, he said that if, you want to, if God created human beings and you want to see him, you won't find him by going into outer space. Because you're not going to find God sitting on a lawn chair and in some, on some planet. He said, God relates to humans more like the way Shakespeare relates to Hamlet. Hamlet's world, Hamlet's entire existence is all created by the author, Shakespeare. And the only way Hamlet could get to know Shakespeare would be if Shakespeare wrote himself into the play. That's what God did at Christmas. He wrote himself into the play. He came down into this world to show us what he's like. In the midst of all the crazy stuff going on, to show us there's a purpose in this world. Our family lives out in the country. About once a week, a herd of about 40 elk come through our property. I love them. I wish I could get close to them and I could actually touch them, but they won't let me do that. I wish I could talk to them. If I could just say, hey, if when you jump our vinyl fence, which corrals our horse, if you could just slow down for a second and maybe jump a little bit higher so you make it over and don't knock it down and break it because that causes me all kinds of work. But they won't. They won't understand me. The only way for me to communicate with them would be for me to become an elk. And that's what God did at Christmas. He became one of us. He came down so he could communicate with us. Now I'm going to read part of the Christmas story. If you don't read the Bible much, you were probably told at some point the Bible isn't true maybe by one of your college professors. The writers just made it up. It's, it's filled with fairy tales. So here's one of the writers. Many have undertaken to draw, upon, to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us. This is about Jesus Christ. Just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. He interviewed eyewitnesses. Does this sound like a fairy tale? Not really. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you. This doesn't sound like once upon a time in the city of Bethlehem or long, long ago in a planet far, far away. It doesn't appear to be check your brain at the door and just make-believe sort of book, does it? In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, 
God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Jo Mary and Joseph were engaged to be married. How did Joseph and Mary meet? Well, we're not told, but we can imagine maybe they met at synagogue youth group. Mary brought some of her friends one night, and they were listening, and Joe went up front, and he was sharing about his faith. And they were trying to concentrate on God, but they just couldn't help but noticing that he was cute. And after the meeting, he came over to Mary's group, and he was talking with them, and Mary got, you know, the, he was a few years older, and she got the idea, well, maybe he's interested in me. Eh, probably not. Then they got going in conversation, and... Uh, realized that uh, he had a job. He built furniture. I mean, the last guy she dated was unemployed, lived with his parents, and was addicted. I mean, this Joe, he's got some real potential. She wondered if he was interested in her. Probably not. Well, it turns out he was. He went away that week. He thought about Mary all week long. And by the end of the week, he got his nerve up, put on a couple extra squirts of cologne, and he came to the youth group, and he invited her out. They went for coffee, Nazareth Coffee Shop. They spend more time together, and by the time he gives her a teddy bear, she realized, hey, I think he really likes me. And she doesn't know it, but he's saving up his furniture money to put down on a ring. And one night... He takes her for a walk, and he gets down on one knee, and he says, will you marry me? And she is all excited. She says, yes. They tell the parents. Mary's mom starts planning the wedding with her. They start to plan their future. Then one day, Mary's by herself. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Is this, is this going to be good or is this going to be bad? And wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Gabriel much have scratched his head at the idea of God becoming a baby. I mean... God could have shouted from the sky. He could have sent an angel, but become a baby. The Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked. She believed this had happened, but she said, How? Since I'm a virgin. The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. Notice what the angel does. He says, Mary, if you're having trouble believing that this is actually going to happen, go visit your relative, Elizabeth. I came to her too. And she's now six months pregnant. She's going to have a baby in her old age. If you're not sure what you believe about Jesus, about God, 
one thing you can try is say, God, I don't know what I believe, but I'm open. Show me if you are real. And then watch what happens. God may do for you what he did for Mary. He gave her short-term proof, Elizabeth's pregnancy, that the long-term promise that she would be the mother of Jesus would come true. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Mary thinks to herself, I can't wait to tell Joe. She tells Joseph she's pregnant. Now, what do you think? Was Joseph happy or upset? How many think he was happy? How many think he was upset? I can prove to you that he was upset. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph was a normal guy. When Mary told him he was pregnant, he was thinking, I'm not stupid. I know how babies are made. Who is the guy? I'll kill him. He was crushed in one conversation All his plans went down the drain. He's thinking, great, I already put down a non-refundable deposit on the Jerusalem Marriott. The wedding invitations have already gone out. Now what? He's thinking, this isn't what I planned. Mary's thinking much the same. My life is over. I'm pregnant without a husband. I'm going to be a single divorced mother in a culture where a divorced gal can't get any kind of job to support herself. This isn't what I planned. This may be where you are right now. You took a job that seemed perfect, and then COVID hit, and you're out of a job. You thought you were in a happily ever after marriage. Now there's no happy, and neither is there ever after. You thought you were in a good place financially and we're going to have a a great Christmas with the kids. And then your business got crushed by the lockdowns or the riots. And now you have no money for Christmas. Or you had big dreams for the future. Then your mate got sick and now is gone. Maybe you didn't make your school sports team. Or you got a bad grade. Or possibly you were loving middle school or high school or college. Now everything's online and it's hard and you hate it. You think, this isn't what I had planned. God, what are you doing? Here's what I want you to hear tonight. You don't have to know the plan to trust that God has a purpose. If you're a Christian... You believe that there is a God, and He's a God of order. He's a God with purpose, and He's placed His image inside of you. That's the reason why you want everything to make sense. He's a God of purpose. He's put that sense of purpose in you, and so you want all things to make sense. A lot of things have happened differently in my life than the way I planned. 
when Jory and I got married, I thought we would have three kids, tops. Now we have nine. I mean, I had no idea when we got married that her favorite book growing up was Cheaper by the Dozen. When we were younger, we didn't have a lot of money. We couldn't afford to go to the theater. We could barely scrape, against, scrape up enough money to rent a movie. There wasn't that much to do at night, so we had kids. Caesar Augustus issued a decree to take a census, and everyone had to go to their hometown to register. In her ninth month of pregnancy, Mary had to go with Joseph on a donkey 120 miles. Joseph is so dead. The last couple of miles, she's in labor, and he's pulling as fast as he can. He says, come on, hang on, honey, we're almost there. And then when they get there, he's deader. They can't find a room. She said, you didn't make reservations? Come on. Where does she give birth? Ladies, in your dream place, in a dirty stall with farm animals. Then Joseph learns that Herod wants to kill the baby, and so they flee to Egypt. They're going from house to house. Shh, don't tell anybody we're here. They're sneaking out of town to Egypt. They're on the run, and Mary's thinking, God, when I said I would do this, I didn't know I'd have to go through all of this. What's the point of all this? Thirty years later, the woman who said, Lord, I'm your servant, I'll do whatever you want, stood on a hill and watched her son stripped and beaten and crucified. And Mary is thinking, Lord, you said he would reign forever. What are you doing? Yet just when it seemed that things were terribly out of control... That was just when God was fulfilling his plan. He had begun from the beginning of the world. He sent his son into the world. He had to be born of a virgin. He couldn't be born of a human father, or he would have a sin nature like all the rest of us. He had to live a perfect, sinless life so he can make a sacrifice for your sins and mine. Then he was when he was crucified and everybody thought it was over, God raised him from the dead. We're reminded that just when things seem out of control in our lives and in our country, and things are so bad, just when it seems like it's an unredeemable illness, an unredeemable death, an impossible situation in your marriage, a devastating job loss, an unfixable conflict in your family between siblings or with your parents or with a child. And there's nothing that can be done about what you're facing that God has a purpose. Mary and Joseph had a plan, but God had a purpose. What was that purpose? The purpose was you. You were the reason Jesus came. You were the reason Jesus died on the cross. Mary and Joseph had a plan, but God had a purpose. His purpose was you. Jesus died for your sins and mine, so that if you accept Jesus' death for you, 
you can be restored to a right relationship with God. If you are someone who has had a change of plans and are dealing with something difficult, I want you to know that you don't know to have you don't have to know the plan to trust that God has a purpose. You can choose to trust him tonight. We all want to make sense out of the things that happen in our lives. Not all things seem like they are fitting into some grand plan. You don't have to know the plan to trust that God has a purpose. If you're not sure what you believe about Jesus and God, you have a choice. You can watch another nativity scene go by, or you can say, God, I trust that you have a purpose for my life. I trust that Jesus is your son and that you sent him to die for my sins. Thank you. I trust you and I give you my life. I want to give you an opportunity to do that in just a minute. So here's what I'd like to do as I end this message. For those of you who would say that recently you've been handing some, handed something you weren't expecting. Maybe it's a close relationship that ended. Maybe it's a conflict in your marriage. Maybe it's bad news about your health or your child's health or your parents' health. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's a job loss. Maybe it's something going on in our country. You're carrying something tonight that's heavy and you don't know what to do with it. You can't see how it fits into any larger purpose. And you're not sure how you're going to be able to get through it. Here's what I want to do. I'm going to close in prayer, and if you're carrying something that's too heavy for you, and you don't know how you can handle it, has you scared, I want you to tell God about it. So I'm going to ask us all just to bow our heads, and we're going to pray together. I'm going to lead in prayer, and if my prayer works for you, you just repeat after me. If my prayer doesn't work for you, you just kind of venture out on your own prayer. Dear God, I believe there's a God and you are Him. And God, I'm facing some stuff in my life that I don't know how to handle. I don't know what to do with it, but I'm going to trust that you have a purpose. And so I'm just going to trust you with my life. God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that he died for me. I know that I've sinned against you and I ask you to forgive me and come into my life. And I want you to be my Lord. There are still going to be lots of things I won't understand, but I'm going to trust you for the rest of my life. And Lord, I want to grow this year. And so I commit myself to reading the Bible, learning more from you and getting involved with other people that are trying to follow your son Jesus, getting involved in the church. I pray this all in Jesus' name.